Hey, Jesse here. Are you looking for a little extra focus in your day? Go to extrafocus.com and sign up for my free weekly newsletter. It's a lot like this podcast, but in written form and delivered directly to your inbox once a week so you can read it at your own pace. I always keep it short so it's a quick read to help inspire your week with ADHD strategies and more. And speaking of strategies, when you sign up, you'll also get access to my ADHD strategy guide, the five pillars of ADHD. And if you want to take it to the next level, you can sign up for the paid version of the newsletter. It's like giving me a high five, uh, but with your wallet. Seriously, thank you for the support. It helps keep the lights on and allows me to continue to do this important work. Again, just go to extrafocus.com to sign up today. Whilst everyone can impulsively spend, I'm not saying it's just an ADHD issue, but I find a lot of advice kind of skips over that. It's like, well, stop doing that and then do this. Well, we need more help in, you know, the first bit before we can start doing the external stuff like the budgeting and following through with that. Hey, my name is Jesse J. Anderson, host of the ADHD Nerds Podcast, the show where we talk about living with ADHD and have some fun along the way. This is episode four, and today I'm talking with Tina Mathams. Tina is an accountant and money coach with ADHD, and she helps people overcome their unhelpful spending habits and manage their money. Today, we talk about all things finances with ADHD, including budgeting and educating your kids on finances as early as you can. Stay tuned for some great financial strategies. But first, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Thunknotes, the modern daily thinking tool. This is one of my favorite new writing tools. I use it for journaling in the morning and planning out my day. It's got a beautiful interface and a lot of powerful features like bi-directional linking, templates, daily notes, and a gorgeous graph view. I think you'll really enjoy it, and you can try it for free by going to ADHDnerds.com thunk. That's T-H-U-N-K. And if you sign up, you'll get a 20% discount for your first year. I think you're going to love this tool, so check it out. Now let's get to the show. All right, Tina, it is uh, great to have you here today. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Absolutely. I'm really excited to kind of dig into what you know about finances and money. Obviously, that's a really big topic for people with ADHD. But first, I'd love to hear your origin story with ADHD. If you're officially diagnosed, what that process has been like when you first realized, hey, maybe there's something else going on. Yeah, what did that look like for you? Yeah, sure. So I got diagnosed after my son did. He got diagnosed with ADHD and autism. Uh, and that's really common for parents to be diagnosed after a child. So that's my story as well. I had a lot of issues around anxiety and I got um, diagnosed with high functioning anxiety. So I was kind of getting treated by a psychologist for that and it did help. But the things that I thought would go away when it was being treated um, didn't. So in my body, I just felt like there was something else that just wasn't the end of it. And, you know, when I started looking into ADHD to help my son, I came across a whole lot of information that just made a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, so I sought out um, a psychologist that had experience with ADHD uh, and I got, um, yeah, got assessed and got diagnosed. Uh, and then down the track, I also got diagnosed by a psychiatrist as well because I had, I wanted to sort of explore um, medication and things like that. So I had to do it all again. So <laughs> just in case I have any doubts that I have ADHD, I've been diagnosed twice. So Right, right. Yeah. Awesome. And what, after that diagnosis happened, like what, how did that change your life? Life. Where did things go kind of from there? Yeah, it was it was interesting because, you know, being an accountant, it just made me think, well, are there any accountants with ADHD? Like, is that going to affect my career? Do I need to now go do something else? 
so it was a it was a process of um you know really digging deep and figuring out what that meant for not only me personally but also my career and you know if I could still do what I wanted to do and um yeah so it was mm-hmm. a big process of just finding out a lot of information right so did you did you feel stuck in your career? Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, did it feel like you're like, oh no, I have to do something now? Or did you feel like you could adapt? Was Did you feel like there was a strength to it? What did it change in your perspective of your career as an accountant? Like where where did you go from there? Yeah, so I definitely did feel stuck and I had felt stuck for a while. I, um, mm. you know, I felt for a really long time, like I just didn't fit the career, which was a big pain point for me because I really enjoyed what I did. So I was like, well, Mm. why am I not suited to being here, being in, you know, I worked in a lot of accounting firms and I thought, why am I not suited to be here if I actually do enjoy what I do? So, you know, yeah, once I got diagnosed and I found out how people with ADHD operate at work and, you know, things like that, then I was like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. You know, being stuck in an office is not for me. So it was it was a bad choice of career for the type of environment <laughs> that it was, um, but mm. my brain just loved it. So I kind of came to a crossroads of, well, I need to do something. I need to get out of the office environment and perhaps, you know, take my skills skills somewhere else so um yeah then that was the process of figuring out what that was right right so how how did you do that like what where did that move you towards when you kind of decided maybe this maybe this environment wasn't the best for the way your brain worked like where Mm -hmm. how did you kind of progress from there and get to what you know what you're doing now which we'll talk about shortly yeah so I I just took some time off. Uh, luckily, I uh, got to the point where I was in a position to be able to just leave my last role and mm-hmm. um, take some time to figure out everything. If I was going to do something completely different or, you know, what that was going to look like. And at that point, I was getting contacted by a lot of um, adults with ADHD wanting some help, you know, around their ADHD in general or around their money. So that kind of made me go, well, okay, maybe there's something here. Maybe I can help other adults with ADHD in some way. So I went and did a life coaching certification and I sort of explored that. Um, I had some life coaching with other adults with ADHD and that was good. Um, But then I just, I kept getting asked to help other businesses with their accounting and I kept getting Mm -hmm. um, contacted by business owners with ADHD going, you need to help me with this. And then that (laughs) sparked that idea. I was like, okay, this I'm starting to create a path now. My brain is starting to realize where I can where I can take this, um, which has led me to where I am now. Right. Yeah. I find entrepreneurs seem to be more more likely to have ADHD. I don't. Mm-hmm. I know I've seen stats that say like ten times more likely. I don't know if that's based on studies or anything, but it's clearly that a lot of people with ADHD are drawn to the entrepreneurial life and like starting new businesses because they have all these great ideas they want to pursue. And maybe they find that, like you said, the office environment isn't the best fit for them. So they find some other way to make it work. And then they get down the road and I've run into this myself where like suddenly the financial issue becomes a real problem where they might seek out someone uh, like you. So what sort of service do you provide when someone's coming to you and saying like, help, I have this business 
is it's it's a mess. I I can't track my finances. Like what what kind of work do you do with them to kind of help figure that sort of stuff out? Yeah. So basically, so I have sort of two avenues that I can help those people with, and I do help uh, just individuals as well, not just um, mm. ADHD entrepreneurs. So I do a lot around money coaching. So you know that often involves helping people overcome uh, impulsive spending and unhelpful spending patterns and just generally trying to get them to manage their money better in a way that works for their brain. You know, there's a lot of uh, money information out there that is for, you know, it's not meant for our brain. We have to sort of figure out how to manage our money that uh, work that makes sense for us. So I help right. people do that. And whether that's, you know, personal finances or their business finances, it can work for both um, because a lot of, you know, principles and things cross over. Uh, and then there's accounting as well. So, yeah, so I do a lot in the accounting space helping business owners with ADHD, again, just try to help them manage their business finances. So whether that's teaching them about profit and loss and cash flow and things like that. I do a lot of trainings for uh, business owners that have Um, you know, memberships and things like that for ADHD entrepreneurs and but also helping them, you know, set up systems in their business and all that kind of fun stuff when, it, you know, people just go, what am I doing with my business finances? It doesn't make any sense. And that's when I come in and help them help it make sense. Right, right. I know you kind of mentioned earlier, like a lot of financial advice is kind of meant for a neurotypical brain and it doesn't really always make sense for us. Um, I know that's like similar in just kind of the productivity world. Like a lot of people are all about like getting things done you know the gtd philosophy Mm -hmm. and i finally for me figured out like that just doesn't work for me that doesn't work for my brain Mm -hmm. and kind of had to find that hey a lot of this advice even if people are pushing it as the answer that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the answer for me and i might need to find my own way of sort of approaching those problems yeah um are there any like particular in the financial world like any particular advice that you think is common that doesn't really work a lot of the time with an adhd brain yeah so i find a lot of financial advice out there is, you know, use this particular app, use this spreadsheet, you know, get your finances Mm -hmm. all in order. And for our brain, that can be really, really overwhelming. You know, often, as I said before, an ADHD brain is often stuck in overspending and impulsive spending. So then when we try to do all this external stuff, like create a budget and things like that, we can't follow through with it because we can create Mm. an amazing budget. That's no problem. (laughs) But it's the follow through. It's how am I going to stick to this? How am I going to, you know, overcome those spending habits that are keeping me stuck and keeping me spending way too much money? And I find that there's a lot of information that skips over that because, you know, whilst everyone can impulsively spend, I'm not saying it's just an ADHD issue, but I find a lot of advice kind of skips over that. It's like, well, stop doing that and then do this. It's like, well, we need more help in, you know, the first bit before we can start doing the external stuff like the budgeting and following through with that. Right, right. Yeah, that's definitely been my experience where I feel like uh, it's fun in the right, like in the right mood. It can be really fun to create a new budget. I'm like, yeah, Yeah. I'm using this new app and it feels all great. And I'm lining all the things up like I've used YNAB before. You need a budget and it's got all the pretty buttons and all the things that can lay it all out. And then like adding, you know, updating my 
transactions every day. And then like a week goes by and I forget a day and then I forget two days. And then I want something and I don't want to check the budget to see if I can get it. I just want to get it. <laughs> yep. And then everything sort of uh, quickly falls apart. And I feel like I'm sort of in a cycle. It's just sort of this continuous cycle. So like, what are, what are some practical tips that you would give for breaking out of that cycle? Like how, how can I practically make a budget or some other solution like work for me for getting out of that, like thinking I'm going to solve the problem with this new system or this new app or whatever it is, and then not, you know, not getting that answer and getting back stuck in those same cycles. Yeah. So the first step would be to, you know, recognize that that's what happens and that's completely okay. It's valid um, and you can get help with it. Uh, I find a lot of people that I speak to kind of don't want to recognize that. They don't want to talk about that yucky stuff. They just want to go straight to the fun stuff, like let help me create this budget and do all that. But you really need to come back and look at what you're struggling that is making you not want to check your bank account, not want to follow through with your budget and things like that. And yeah, it's often those habits that we're stuck in with um, with the spending and, you know, feeling like we don't know how to manage our money. Often we pull things that we um, either haven't learned in childhood, like how to manage money or things that we've learned through our parents. We pull that into adulthood and it's, you know, it's all that internal things that we need to bring to the surface to be able then to move forward. But, you know, apart from that, there's other things like um, gamifying your finances mm. um, can really be helpful for a lot of people, you know, creating little challenges for yourself, um, no spend challenges or, um, you know, setting a timer to be able to um, look at your budget or look at your spending or something like that. And visual, visual aids as well are really, really good because often we forget. We forget what we've spent. We forget how much money we have. We forget that we've even mm. made a budget sometimes. I know I've been there. I've made a budget. I'm like, <laughs> well, that's right. I remember two weeks later that um, I was going to do all this stuff. So um, right. putting things like visual reminders where you're going to see them um, to remember to remind you to, uh, you know, go into your bank account, have a look or look at your budget or something like that. Right. When you, so like for visual reminders and visual tools, are you talking about like whiteboards? Uh, like what, what sort of things do you have in mind when you talk about that? Um, I'm a massive post-it person. I love my post-its. They're everywhere. Mm. Um, so that works for me and I know it works for some other people as well, but yeah, having whiteboards, uh, where you can write things down, um, stick it on your fridge or wherever you frequent, um, next to your workspace or whatever it is. Um, and then you can just sort of write down, you know, say you've bought something and you can just quickly jot it down. I bought this. Don't forget to, you know, account for that when I'm looking at my finances or something or, you know, putting bills on there that are coming up soon. I've got post-its near my laptop of like business expenses, yearly business expenses that I forget are coming up. I actually write when they're due so I can constantly see it. So it's, it's always there, even though I get reminders in my email about <laughs> it, but how easy is it just to swipe through and just forget? So having something that you can see day to day is really helpful for a lot of people. Yeah, I know, I know one thing that is a struggle for me personally, I'm married, my wife is neurotypical mm -hmm. and we sort of butt heads a lot trying to figure out finances. Like we just sort of come at, at it from different angles. Uh, I'm curious, do you sort of uh, run into that when you're helping people and like how managing finances with a couple and like ADHD couples versus like, you know, kind of that mix, how all that works together? Yeah, um, and that can be that can be really hard, especially you know. I think there's pros and cons to both. Whether you do have a um, neuro 
neurodivergent partner or you have a neurotypical partner that, you know, you've both mm-hmm. been run into problems. Um, mm-hmm. And I think just trying to communicate with your partner, you know, if you've got some goals in mind or if you really want to start working on your finances, it's it's like anything in a relationship. You really need to be open and have that line of communication. And, you know, it may come down to just sitting down together and coming to a compromise. I know in my relationship, I definitely think about money differently to uh, my husband and that's just because we um, we tend to manage it in a different way we both have the same goals but we uh, it makes sense to our different brains to manage it differently so it's just about coming to a compromise on what that's going to look like and yeah that may, that may take some time to sort of work through that but I think just being completely open and having that honest conversation about you know what your finances look like and working together and having that accountability as well um, often people in relationships it really works because you've got that accountability with each other to sort of keep each other on track right right awesome and you uh, mentioned having a child with a diagnosis are you trying to, I don't know the age, but are you trying to kind of instill financial management ideas early? And do you have any tips for that? Yeah, I absolutely am. I've got, um, I do have two kids and they both have ADHD. Uh, mm. So it's probably going to look a bit interesting trying to teach them about about money. But absolutely, uh, if if you've got kids, it's one of those things to really start talking about it early. You can, it's not, it's never too early to start talking about uh, finance to children, obviously in a way that they're going to understand. So mine mm-hmm. are seven and eight and it's just little things like, you know, if they want to, if they constantly ask for things like all kids do and, you know, I try to tell them like, well, we can't really do that because we've got this coming up or we've got to pay for something else, you know. Um, we've just had school holidays here so it was a conversation around you know we can't go and do something that costs money every day because we're going to run out of money at some point you know there's a certain amount that we have and you know we need to fit things into that um my children often because we pay a lot of stuff by card um and Mm. they're just like oh just whip out the whip out the credit card it's okay and i'm (laughs) like well that's not and you know it's not an unlimited amount so it's just about talking to them in ways that's going to make sense to how old they are and then you can kind of build on that as they get older and I always like to direct people to financial advisors who put information out about that kind of stuff. There's books out there that you can read by financial advisors that really um, help you to understand how to talk to kids about money if somebody really has no idea how to do that. Yeah, I know I know a book that I've been reading recently. It's not specifically for kids, but has really kind of helped my wife and I rethink our finances. It's called Worry-Free Money. Uh, and it's really, it kind of takes the idea of sticking to a budget and it blows it up a little bit like it still Mm. is about having a budget but it's kind of about separating your overall budget into big categories like hey maybe like having a separate bank account all for your fixed bills and there's some other ideas in there that really sort of takes away because I know my own struggle is often I'll like we'll do our budget and it's like yeah yeah technically we have a budget but I don't really look at it a lot Mm. and then what ends up happening instead is I just like check the you know check the bank balance and I'm like oh the checking account has this much money in it so I probably am fine but in the back of my mind I'm always kind of worrying like is there going to be a whole bunch of bills that come due that I didn't realize we're coming in right now and so I end up always kind of having in the back of my mind anytime I spend money even if it's money that I that I have available I feel like there's just that sense of always kind of feeling bad about spending money and it never feels like okay to do yeah and then 
and that just kind of creates that negative relationship, which is no good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is really hard having that sort of um, negative feeling around money. You know, one good thing that people could try is having a certain amount allocated. So exactly what you said about having the different bank accounts, you know, you have a bank account for your fixed expenses, have a allocation of money that you can just spend it doesn't it can just be a small amount that you know even if there's a even if there's a bill come in that you weren't expecting you've still got a small amount that you can use for those those impulsive those impulsive habits that we do have and i think that's really important to not push too hard against that yes we need to work through that so it's not happening all the time but for mm-hmm. us having that little bit of money put it in a separate account and you know you know that when you spend that money it's completely fine so those feelings right. hopefully uh don't come up yeah cuz i i find that without having that i i because there's kind of that negative association what ends up happening is i just kind of say well heck heck with it all and then i get myself into trouble because I just like blow a bunch of money that I don't really have. And then we're like trying to fix the situation. Yeah. So I like that, that idea of having kind of like, well, this is, this is my safe money to kind of waste Mm -hmm. a little bit on whatever, whatever I want. And it's not wasting. It's just like my own sort of uh, fund reserve or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. And then hopefully, you know, once you've done that, that satisfies um, <laughs> that dopamine and that that need to impulsively spend and then once you've done that then you know you can you've you've got those other accounts that you can you know you don't have to touch because you've had that satisfaction of being able to just blow that money right because sometimes that's what you want to do you just want to like i want to be a little frivolous and i just want to kind of spend you know it's the uh what retail therapy or whatever they call it which can get you into trouble but sometimes that is kind of just just hits you just right um (laughs) Mm -hmm. absolutely cool yeah so we mentioned the right app isn't necessarily the solution but i wonder if there is any like specific apps or uh more specific types of budgeting techniques there's like the you know zero base or anything anything in particular that you recommend a lot to different clients and stuff yeah and this is this is hard because it's it's different for everybody you know what works right. for one person isn't going to work for another so generally um i give people the option of whether they want to use an app they want to use a spreadsheet or they just want to use pen and paper pen and paper mm-hmm. is great for people with adhd and i find that's again as we were talking about the uh you know, neurotypical advice a lot of advice out there is oh don't use pen and paper because you know it's not the best way but for our brain often it is because having to write it down rather than just open an app or a spreadsheet helps us process that information so if you pull out a pen and paper and you go into your bank account start writing down exactly what you've been spending it's going to help your Mm. brain process that a little bit a little bit better and be like okay this is what's actually going on but you mentioned um you need a budget app before that's actually really really popular with um, people with adhd so people can look into that Um, there's also an app called mint and pocketbook I think Pocketbook might be Australian only. I'm not sure. I have used that one before. Mm. And then, yeah, obviously you've got um, templates for spreadsheets and Google Sheets and things like that. 
Um, and yeah, I I am a fan of zero based budgeting because it's um, the idea is that every dollar that comes into your bank account has a job. Right. But often I work with a lot of people who um, wouldn't even be able to do that because A, they're not budgeting to begin with and they're not having enough money to the next payday. So it's about, you know, um, not necessarily at first looking at whether you're going to do zero based budgeting or another thing. It's purely, again, bringing it back to basics and actually having a look at what's being spent um, and what's coming into your bank account and starting there. And then all those different things like zero-based budgeting can come down the track. I love to transition to doing shiny objects right now. Yeah. And shiny objects is just a uh, chance to share something that is, you know, grabbing your fancy lately, something you've been enjoying and uh, having fun with. I'll, I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, so my my job is I'm a front end developer. And so I'm typing on the keyboard a lot. And so I've sort of invested in having a really nice keyboard, but it's called the Ergodox EZ and it's a split keyboard. And most people that look at it, they think it looks like it's, I don't know, out of something science fiction because it's in two different pieces and it's got uh, it's it's just doesn't look like any sort of normal keyboard it has like a different thumb pad with like six keys just for that i'll i'll uh, post a picture for in the show notes for this but that is something that helps me to engage with the work i do with software development and just like i love setting up all the little shortcuts and all those things with that keyboard so that's my shiny object for today okay my turn i um a long standing it's not shiny object but a long-standing interest of mine mm -hmm. is fraud not committing fraud <laughs> but learning about it um, learning yeah. about you know stories about it and why people do it and things like that and my current story is um about the story of elizabeth holmes and theranos have you heard about mm. that one yeah 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 so <laughs> i've just become completely obsessed with it my husband got me onto <laughs> watching the documentary because he watched it one night he's like you've got to watch this and i watched right. it is that the one there's there's a documentary and there's like a sort of fictionalized version is that correct oh yeah kind of yeah so it's it's, yeah. The, it's the documentary and then they made a docuseries um about right, it yeah. which is based on a podcast so i've been making my way through all of these it's you know i'm learning <laughs> i'm hearing the exact same stuff but it's in a different yeah. medium and then i'm on youtube and i'm looking up youtube videos about it and it's just it's my current obsession i'm just i'm just loving hearing the story and what the right, outcome right. Of that's going to be yeah that's so wild that's the where this billion dollar business was built on on nothing basically right they were just sort of like faking the technology the whole way yeah yeah pretty much yeah so it's it's an incredible story and just you know the investors the kind of investors that were putting money into it and you know um yeah just all the people that were working there just basically not doing a whole lot so it's an incredible story if anybody is interested in that kind of thing awesome well I'll definitely have the links to those in the show notes so if you want to uh, check out some fraud not committing it but seeing what other people <laughs> yeah. We'll do with it. Uh, we'll have some links to check that out. Um, yeah, and awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here and sharing some of this uh, financial advice for the mm -hmm. for you know the ADHD brain. Uh, where can people, if they want to find out more or follow you and the work that you're doing, where can people go to do that? So the best place to go first is my Instagram uh, because that will have links to everything else. So my Instagram mm. is at the ADHD accountant. Uh, and from there, you'll find links to YouTube and Facebook and how to work with me and all that stuff. And then there's obviously information on my Instagram. Um, and if anyone's on Facebook, I also have a group called ADHD Money and Finance. Um, you can pop in there and have a bit of a chat. Awesome. And I'll have links to all of those in the show notes. Thank you so much, Tina. This was awesome. Great. Thank you. It was fun. Thanks for having me. 
That's our show. Thank you for listening. I especially want to thank our VIP patrons, Eric Tompkins, Luce Carter, Richard Stevens, and Todd Barnett. It helps me do this show and all the other work I do. So thank you so much. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash jessej. That's J-E-S-S-E-J. Don't sign up if it causes you any hardship or difficulty, and you can support the show for free by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Or hey, why not both? Full show notes and transcription are available at ADHDnerds.com.